Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Coaches, today before we get started, I want to thank our sponsor, CoachPad. Uh, no matter if you draw scout cards by hand or use a program on your computer, CoachPad will give you back time by never stuffing a binder again before heading out to practice. First 13.3-inch electronic device allowing coaches to clearly display scout cards outdoors in the sun has been a game changer for programs this past fall and those currently playing all across the country. This new technology allows coaches to coach and not the monotonous task of stuffing and dealing with binders on the practice field. Check out the CoachPad and CoachPad Mini on thecoachpad.com. Please make sure you check out our sponsors, our affiliates. And here is another episode of the Gap Down Backer podcast. Uh, welcome to another episode of the Gap Down Backer podcast. Uh, today we have the head football coach at Centerville High School, uh, Brent Allery. Coach, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. No problem, Coach. Um, John Puckett asked me about seven times why I haven't had you on yet. And so I was like, well, I was like, John, I don't have his number. And he's all here. So um, yeah, John's, John's a great guy. It only takes him seven times to, to defend half of our passing games. So, you know, every time we run mesh at him, he's got to get a redo. That, that's, that's what <laughs> I've heard from, from some of your assistants. Um, before we get into any of that, because I know you, I know you love the air raid and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of, how did you end up as the head football coach at Centerville? Um, you know, I, well, I, my coaching career started up uh, in 2009 up at Dublin Kaufman High School. I coached for Mark Crabtree, and um, you know, I thought I'd be there for the rest of my life, and I would just kind of wait him out and and try to get a head coaching job after him and stay there. But met my wife; she's a Centerville grad. I ended up back at Centerville um uh, back in 2014 and you know one day uh, I was sitting in my classroom and, and our then head coach Rodney Roberts came in and said you know I want you to be the offensive coordinator I'm like all right cool I'll be the offensive coordinator sounds like a promotion um I'll do that and then two weeks later he came in and said we need to talk and uh he sat me down and told me he was resigning um and he was going to move back and move up and, and he did some good things for himself but the job opened up so within two weeks of becoming the uh offensive coordinator at the the head coaching job opened up in 17 and you know by beginning of May I had finished the interview process and got the head coaching job at my alma mater and everything it was it was really cool now now you ignored a little fact there about maybe playing college football somewhere (laughs) yeah I did I was a walk-on for five years at Ohio State uh when Trestle was there That, that was a phenomenal experience so I could I could fill up another podcast with all the stories uh, from from those days and all the things I learned from uh, Coach Hazel. Daryl Hazel's the man, you know. He's he's easily one of the smartest uh, and creative wide receiver coaches that I've ever been around or learned from. So I, I was very fortunate to be around him for four years of my five up there. Yeah, I, I remember going to a clinic when he was at Kent Kent State, right? 
That's yep. And I mean, it was one of the better clinics I've been to. Like, I mean, it just really well ran, good time. Um, mm -hmm. So I've I've only heard things. Who else was in that receiver room with you? Oh, it was it was loaded. When I walked in, it was uh, um, guys like Drew Smith and uh, Mike Jenkins, um, Bam Childers. You know, the only guy to win Mister Ohio in football and basketball. Um, and then income walking in, guys like San Antonio Holmes, Roy Hall, Ted Ginn Jr., Brian Hartline, Brian Robisky, you know, Ray Small. Um, just a ton of great guys to, to learn from and super competitive. Um, Anthony Gonzalez, shoot, I forgot, Gonzo, uh, you know, had a great career uh, with the Colts and then in, in the U.S. Senate. But um, it's just a phenomenal room to sit there and learn from and a great group of guys to be around. Now, kind of going from there is, I mean, obviously, I, I mean, Jim Trestle was not known for high-powered offenses in terms of scoring. So how do you go from playing for Jim Trestle, um, going to Mark Crabtree, who I'm not going to really say is a wide-out throwing guy, but, I mean, it's a multiple offense, to running your version of the air raid at Centerville. How does that transition go? Yeah, I mean – well, you know, the running joke on the sideline with the uh, the walk-ons that didn't have much a threat of playing on Saturdays uh, when Trestle was there was we'd be down seven points and look at each other and be like, oh, man, we're down three field goals. Um, you know, <laughs> and that that was uh, that was kind of how we learned. But we did learn a lot of good things. They opened the playbook up with Ted Ginn, and we learned a lot of new formations um, and some new concepts. We, we got into shallow and dig and everything. Um so I started to kind of learn how to break routes and how to read routes and stuff like that. Um, and when I went to, to Kaufman, you know, Mark Crabtree started off as triple option guy, but he, and when he got Brady Quinn and, and he started getting things humming a little bit and started getting some quarterbacks uh, developed, um, he started opening it up. And he, what he taught me was the tunnel screen. Like he taught some great things. And I learned, I learned a, a lifetime's worth from Mark Crabtree, but when it comes to offense, the tunnel screen uh, is, you know, if you don't prepare for our tunnel screen, then then, then we're going to burn you on it. Um, so he taught us that and, and kind of kind of got me thinking about throwing the ball a little more OK with, uh, you know, not handing off on first and second down. And then um, actually, you know, there's an unknown variable in there. Uh, Tom Adams got got me really into um, I think he's at Northmont, but he got me really into um, some air raid type concepts. And then, you know. Uh, our current wide receiver coach, Dan Kearns, he, he, you know, he might as well call him the lumberjack because he keeps chopping at you and the, until you start buying into the air, air raid stuff. So, you know, we started studying it and started getting into it and started realizing some of the things that we wanted to do were air raid. And we're like, okay, well, if we're doing this, then now we have the ability to do this. Um, and before you know it, I wouldn't call us full on air raid um, because we're still, I think we were at 50-50 last year run to pass. Um, but you know, I think the air raid offense, correct me if I'm wrong, you're usually about 60, 40, 70, 30, somewhere in there. Um, but either way, we, we just started getting into it and, you know, we, we've had some, some plays develop out of it that are not air raid that we've kind of made into our own version of air raid stuff like that. And, you know, Chase Harrison kind of took the, the bull by the horns and said, Hey, if you want to air it out, I'll, I'll help you out. So yeah. it's kind of worked for us. It's been, it's been a great, like kind of, uh, a great kind of journey. You know, I, people ask us what we are uh, as an offense and, you know, some people are wing T or triple or, you know, whatever air raid uh, and something like that. Like I, I wouldn't consider us any of those. I would consider us a, an, an RPO 
air raid, if that's a thing, you know, I mean, that's, I think what we do best is RPL, we air raid. Yeah. I mean, like, I'll talk about that a little bit because I know like, especially like your run game has begun to evolve. Like I've, I've talked to Kearns, I talked to you at the state clinic. Like obviously like the staple of the air raid has become probably the inside zone. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of air raid coaches have started, especially transitioning like GT counter and other stuff like that. How has yours kind of evolved to kind of adapt to where you are offensively? Yeah, I mean, well, like when we started off, when I my first year uh, as a head coach and OC, when I was calling it, um, we were exactly that inside zone lock RPO offense, and we were throwing backside slants off of it. And I hadn't seen many people in the conference do it, at least not do it well. Um, and we, that was pretty much all we did. You know, like we even told our linemen the double team was not important. Just stay on it because it's going to be a pass because everyone in the conference was fighting on it. Um, so, you know, if you want a real quick story about how we got to that, um, that, that it, it, what it is, is just inside zone lock with a backside slant RPO. But sometimes you clear out the middle of the field and you run a slant behind it from the outside guy. We had a ton of success from it. Uh, guys like Donnie Shelton and Jake Spiewak just lit up our record for record books. But, you know, what's funny, I saw the play on a YouTube suggestion of watch this. Yeah. And it was this guy named Paul uh, or uh I want to say Paul Kristenick, but I think it's uh, Chris Kristenick. It doesn't matter. He's out of Texas. Um, and he had all these clips. And I was like, you know what? I saw the author on YouTube. I'm going to look this guy up. So I looked him up on Twitter. He had his DMs open. So I shot him a DM, said, I really want to talk to you about this play that you got on this YouTube little thing you're running here. And he goes, oh, no problem. And he responded right away. We took, he took my phone calls. Um, we, he did like sent some presentations to me and stuff. And uh, and how he teaches it and how he teaches it to his offense. He sent everything. I still have it, everything. And I, I showed it to our players. I didn't even tell it. Like I told him, I was like, this isn't even me. Like, we're just going to watch this guy's presentation. And we're going to watch his cutups. And I want you guys to go out there and do this. And it took about two weeks. And we had a brand new play in our offense that kind of opened our offense wide open. You know, this slant RPO uh, looking thing. And, and, you know, if anyone's being honest, it was it was trouble for, for a lot of people for a while before they started kind of learning and adapting and we've had to evolve from there. Um, but yeah, we got into that inside zone RPO. I've never been a two read RPO. It's always been a single read. It's always been a second level guy. Uh, we don't read like defensive end and then linebacker or anything like that. Um, but recently we, we have gotten more into this run game thing where we're, we're starting to make it look more like outside zone. We're starting to make it look more like power read. Um, and because we are running a lot more outside zone, we're running a lot more power read. Um, we're running our, our, you know, kind of messed up version of GT counter. It's not really that, but, um, but now we're able to, this year we'll be able to throw RPOs off of that. So, um, it's, it's kind of cool to see like what the guys do really well. Like when it all comes down to it, like running backs want to run the ball straight and they want to run the ball fast and linemen would prefer to block backwards for some reason. I don't know why, but they would prefer to block backwards. Uh, so like, that's what, that's what we're going to do, you know, and then that's what we'll try to do. Well, it's all about the angles coach. That's all it is. It just, it's easy. It's I'm going to be honest. It's easy to down block. I mean, it's, you're a hundred percent right. It's very easy. And, and what we're seeing is like, I, I, when I thought our, our offense was air raid RPO, I was like, Oh, you have to inside zone. You have to inside zone. You get these double teams and just, just move the nose, move the one and you'll be okay. 
Like, no, just let your guard who's 310 pounds, just annihilate him and live with the rest and read a second level guy and you're okay. You yeah. know? So, you know, I, it, it, it's really cool to watch it develop. Uh, we got some tricks up our sleeves for some teams this year. You know, we're going to go even further uh, in our development. So, they, you know, my my receiver coach, Dan Kearns, will call it wing T stuff, but it's not wing <laughs> T stuff. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not going to hit – like I said, I already asked you his question off screen. Um, okay. I'm not going to get into that because that's as fun as Dan Kearns is. Um, before we kind of go into more stuff, like – and I talked to another guest, I mean, that episode beyond the prior week, but you also got to co- coach our state all-star game which I think is, is an interesting experience. Um, do you kind of want to talk about that a little bit? Because I, I think I think at least our state association at least does a very good job at putting together the all-star game. And I, obviously, I mean, I, every coach I talked to on both sides of the ball were very happy with the group of kids they got and how hard they worked and their behavior and everything. Like, they were just generally good kids. Yeah. It, so we, I remember sitting in a meeting. We were sitting in a, uh, you know, a District 15 meeting and Jason Krause was sitting there uh, next to me and he said, hey, Brent, he goes, you guys had a heck of a season. He goes, I'm going to nominate you for uh, coach of the year because I want you to coach in this game. He's like, you have to coach in this game. And I, I remember telling him, like, Jason, like, I appreciate it. That's an honor. But like, you don't have to do that. I'm extremely busy. Like, it's, it's no sweat off my back. If I don't add one more thing. And he's like, no, you have to do it. You have no idea why. Uh, yeah, but you have to do it. And I was like, okay, whatever. Thanks. You know, Jason and I have developed a pretty good relationship. And so he nominated me and I, and I got uh, put on that as staff as, a, as an assistant. And I was kind of hesitant, um, you know, when going through the draft process, I saw, well, at least I get to coach one of my guys, you know, Cam Smith was a wide receiver. I'm a wide receiver by trade. So like, this will be cool. I can coach wide receivers. And at least I know one guy and, you know, maybe that'll make it enjoyable. But when I got up there, uh, we started practicing, we practiced at Wittenberg and then we went up to Maslin and practice. Like you start to get to know these guys, like, you know, Rob Page and Kent McCullough and Chad Jackson, and Andy Hall, like, uh, you know, and, and our head coach, Chad Grandstaff, like phenomenal, phenomenal men, you know, that, that I, I'm a better coach having spent four days around those guys. I don't even know how much better I would be if I spent just a month, just in the same room in the same scenarios, just talking football, bouncing ideas off each other you know, just staying up late in the hotel room and just, just, you know, talking back and forth and kind of learning from each other. It it was a phenomenal experience. And then when you add into that, that you get to coach like the elite of the elite in Ohio high school football, like you you throw out the the small little things that you're working on in practice, because these guys want to learn uh, they want to learn the intricacies of what take them from a good college football receiver to a great college football receiver. You know, they want to know, like, what did you learn from San Antonio Holmes? What did, did Daryl Hazel teach the guys that were going to the NFL? Um, what are those little tiny things that we can look at? And they're just, they're all eyes and ears and, and they give great effort. And they're just a phenomenal group to coach. Like I, I couldn't be happier with the group of receivers that we chose. You know, they're phenomenal football players, but, you know, that's just surface. I'm telling you, underneath it, they were phenomenal young men. And, you know, it was a good time hanging out with all of them. Good. Like I said, I, I sat with a couple of you at dinner that one night. And like I said, it, I, like I said, it seems like all of you got along real well. I know Kent and Rob pretty well. Um, mm-hmm. So, like I said, I thought, it, like I said, I thought you guys did a fantastic job. And like I said, obviously the, the game was interesting. Um, <laughs> but that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. I was standing on the opposite sideline while all that was going on. So, um, <laughs> Jesus. Uh, but a couple other things, like, I mean, one thing I was told to ask you about, because I've heard this 
and it, it was always just from talking with your sister, but I heard it, I think a year or two ago, yeah, your quarterback club meetings. I think, I think that's a, a very interesting thing you do with a lot of your dads and your, your quarterback mm-hmm. club. Do you want to kind of break down what you kind of do with them? I think it's a very interesting approach to going over stuff a couple times a year with some of your dads and your quarterback club. Sure. Yeah. Like it, it the quarterback club is, is our fundraising booster, you know, our organization, they, that's who we raise money through and that's who buys us, you know, jerseys or, you know, whatever, new tackling gummies, stuff like that uh, pays for our huddle. Um, so they have to raise money. And one of the ra- ways they raise money is by having membership. And in order to try and spike membership, uh, I, I actually, I don't know who many coaches probably do this, but I got the idea from Mark Crabtree up in Dublin. It was, you know, just host a film session. He used to host them every week. Um, I don't really have the time for that with little kids and a wife and, and just sleep in general, but um, it's, we, we offer it. We say, listen, three times a year. So we, we do on one a month, we do a game in August, a game in September and a game in October. Um, we're going to go up there. I'm going to bring somebody, uh, my, probably my defensive coordinator, you know, John Puckett will probably do all three of them with me this year. Um, and we go up there and we show them our huddle. We keep our banner turned on um, so they can see all the play names and everything. And we walk through like, why did we call what we called and what is happening on the film? And, you know, who is the person that's doing exceptionally well on this play to make it successful? Or, you know, what kid is, uh, you know, missed assignment or missed technique or something like that. And, and that's why the play is breaking down. And we go through every single play of the game. Um, the, par- the parents, uh, it's mostly dads, but they can all ask questions. They can stop and say, hey, you know, why didn't the quarterback read frontside here instead of backside? And we'll answer it, you know, and we'll tell them what the scouting report says and everything. And then at the end of it, after we finish the game, uh, by then we've already done all of our film session, film study and all that stuff for the next opponent. So the scouting report's already done. Um, cause it's a Monday night. So everything's done for the next opponent. So we'll go through it and tell them like, this is what you're going to see next week. You know, um, spring is going to line up like this. This guy is going to be their stud. This is the guy we're going to target the most, et cetera, et cetera. These are the plays that you're going to kind of see us attacking them with. And from these formations, et cetera, you know, we, we go a little bit more in depth. We don't give away the whole, uh, magic show, but you know, we, we do give away a lot of information to these guys and let them ask some questions and everything. And, uh, it, it's a really good night. You know, it's, it's a nice two hours. There's always food. The guys are, you know, usually drinking beer or something, but, uh, it, it's a good time for everybody, but there's one rule, uh, with the quarterback club film sessions. And we always say it at the beginning of every season. And, and that's, you know, you're, everyone's welcome. Moms are welcome, even though they don't show up, but, uh, everyone's welcome to, to join the quarterback club and be part of these film sessions. But if anyone catches wind that you're up there in the stands, uh, saying, you know, what the heck is Coach Hillary calling or what are we doing? This stuff isn't working, whatever. Anyone that's bad mouthing the play calling or bad mouthing the coaching staff or the players, you're not welcome, you know? So um, we said it the first time. Uh, I, I remember delivering the message. And then the next time after that, a few people didn't show up, but we haven't had that problem ever since. So um, it's been kind of a cool little wrinkle we added to it. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a good way to help deal with, obviously, in this day and age, some parents and um, build. And it, I think it really just builds a good rapport. I mean, like yeah. we, we're going to hold our mom's night next Monday just to just kind of help build relationships. There'll be food go over kind of our program. And I mean, it's kind of the same concept. I mean, just kind of building that culture aspect. The other thing I want to talk about, because obviously you guys are one of the bigger, you're one of the bigger schools in the Dayton area, but you're also just one of the bigger, you're on in our big division across the state. 
But at the same time, you still have some kids that have to go two ways here or there or back up an offensive position. How do you structure your practice schedule so you have some depth, but it isn't like a bunch of freshmen or sophomores mm-hmm. that maybe aren't ready for big time division one, especially because, I mean, your schedule isn't easy. I mean, you, I mean, you, I mean, just be honest, like, I mean, it's probably the hardest conference in the Dayton area. Like it, it, it can be brutal at times, especially on the air. I mean, I mean, heck you play Springfield. They just went to the state championship game. I mean, mm-hmm. it is what it is, but uh, how well, do you we would argue, that? we would argue our conference is probably, the toughest one in the state you know people want to say gcl this and cleveland that um come on down you know and 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 let's play uh but they our, our conference is extremely well coached with a ton of great players and it's, you're right it's extremely tough and you can't go into it with with guys that have no experience at all um so what we did is actually we addressed this issue big time going into last season um and let me just preface it by saying we're not changing anything uh, because it worked so well. So uh, my defensive coordinator, John Puck, had actually asked, he said he brought it up. He's like, we need to do something about, you know, having some guys here, guys there, uh, et cetera. And he was right. Um, and it sparked a discussion in our staff meeting. And we were talking about we talked about the pick centrals and the coal rains, the world, um, the public schools that are, you know, it, playing top tier high school football and you look out there they're all playing both ways now not every single player but you look at you know Colerain's stud running back is also playing linebacker you know pick central stud receiver is also playing corner um stuff like that you know like they have a bunch of guys so we're like okay let's figure out who does this the best and you know rather than go to one of those two uh we had recalled that uh, Nate Moore up at Maslin had like written an article or something, been interviewed about, you know, his way of having a, you know, a, a whatever he called it, a one platoon team with a two platoon staff or something like that. Um, so I just called him, I cold called him and, and I cold texted him and said, Hey, I need your help. This is, you know, Brent already at Centerville, whatever. Uh, he responded right away. He sat on the phone with me for about an hour explaining this thing. And then I called him a couple more times after that. And he, you know, each one about a half hour and he'd walk me through the troubleshooting and stuff and what to expect. And he was dead on every single time. Um, but we just do what Maslin does. So what we do is every single player on our team, uh, I shouldn't say every single one, 95% of our team is going to play two positions. You know, you got your quarterback who sits over there and he's made a, a porcelain. Right. Um, but like other than that, you know, there's a couple guys that just won't do it. Like this year, our running back won't play both ways. Um, our center is not playing both ways, but all the other O-linemen are. Um, one of our quarterbacks is one of them's uh, playing both both ways but anyways what we do is you take your team and you take like your uh like let's just call it say you're 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 starting your ones and your twos and you chop them both in half and then you mix half the ones with half the twos and half these ones with half the twos and you just practice and um we run a normal practice um you miss out on kind of the the frills of oh we're gonna have a specific you know power read period uh we don't have those we have inside run but we don't have a specific power read and then a specific hour outside zone. And then another RPO period or anything like that. We just have inside, or I'm sorry, we have inside run we get after it. We have team, we have seven on seven. And then that takes about an hour and then we flip it. And the other guys go, you go over there. We call it a black practice, black practice. One's called a black practice practice. Two is called a gold practice. And we you hear the whistle get blown gold practice time. And they go back through the whole thing. They'll have individual with the other side of the ball and they'll have, 
inside run and seven on seven and, you know, pursuit drill or whatever that, that day is, um, you sprinkle in a couple special teams and, and you've got to practice. Um, and that's usually how our summers operate, you know, for the most part without going too far in depth and boring everybody. But, um, then, then you get to the, to the summer and, and Nate was very adamant about this. He was like, you know what? Uh, Cause I asked him, I was like, well, I can't just run these guys out in week one against Fairfield and, and say, this is the first time you've played together. And, go try to be Fairfield. It won't happen. He was like, I know. He said, after the first scrimmage is when your black practice, let's say, becomes your ones on offense and your twos on defense. And then your gold practice becomes your ones on defense and your twos on offense. And then that's kind of how you practice. But you still split. You still switch and swap and do all the things that you do. Um, and we loved it. It created a, a ton of depth for us and, and a ton of options for us to be able to run, you know, at one point we were playing seven or eight offensive linemen, played like six tight ends, two or three running backs. I mean, we probably played, you know, eight or nine wide receivers. Uh, defensively, we probably rolled eight, nine guys through the secondary, four or five guys through the linebacker positions. And, you know, however many D linemen it, it took, we, we had all kinds of options and we were doing it with juniors and seniors that were really good and they were able to play at that high level and you because they know they're going to get a blow they can empty the tank and get a blow on another side of the ball or something like that but it, it was phenomenal Nate Moore at Maslin like if anyone's listening to this and they're 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 thinking about it look up whatever article I you know I hope I don't send a bunch of people calling Nate Moore he'll probably get mad at me but like look up his article and read it read it you know and if you if you have a hard time understanding it, you know, feel free, give me a call, I'll split the load with Nate, you know, so uh, he taught me and I'll be happy to tell anyone else, but it, it works out phenomenal. You know, it's, it's, it's a great process. So we have a ton. It's not normal for big schools, um, but, but we're doing it. We're going both ways. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, you kind of have to at times that that is what that is. I mean, you got to prepare for injuries, um, but kind, kind of continuing from there. I mean, where, because I want, I want to swing back because we, when we talked run game earlier, you talked about building RPOs. And I think that's something that, especially, I mean, air raid people have started slowly integrating. Where did you go to start pulling in the air raid? Obviously, you had your little slant inside zone RPO, but how else have you kind of built from there? Well, Tom Adams taught us the, uh, the mesh play. You know, ironically, Mark Crabtree taught me the, the Urban Meyer Utah play, which is built off the mesh play, but I didn't even know the mesh play existed. We just ran the Utah, the little like pivots out, you know, with yeah. the dig behind it. Um, Tom Adams taught me that mesh play and I started digging more into it. And um, the more I dug into it, the more I realized, uh, you know, mesh is like inside zone, kind of like depends on who you're talking to. You might get a different definition of it completely. And everybody's got their, uh, this is a wheel. This should be, this is where you said it. This is what you say. Like, dude, chill out. Like, you know, it's, it's just football. We can, we can figure this out on the fly. Um, but, uh, you know, once, once we got into that and once I started really studying, there's a ton of free like uh, resources on YouTube and a ton of free resources on Twitter and everything. I started really diving in. I was like, man, I really like this Z shallow. I really like this drive concept, you know, and I would say that I was into air raid before I knew that all that stuff was air raid. If that makes sense. I started like, it, it started seeing like, oh, they, they all work together and I, and I can, you know, I can tag this on this side and this on this side and we can just go, or we can just call this blah, blah, blah. And 
it, it just, it was kind of organic, you know, and now it's to the point where, um, you know, like yesterday, our quarterbacks uh, went out there and I told them strictly, do not call anything other than quick game. That was like quicks, slants and outs. And that was it. That was all they were allowed to call. And I look out there and the kids are running mesh. They're running Utah. They're running choice reads and everything. They're running drive concepts. I'm like, what's going on? It's like, it's in our DNA now. Like we haven't even taught those things yet. And all these kids, even the young pups are out there running this stuff and running it pretty well. It's like, right, okay, maybe we're air raid, you know, and nobody <laughs> wants to admit it because center hill used to be triple option for about half a century, but you know, it's, it's all right. It's been good. Now, now I, I know you weren't there for like the full transition from triple to where you are now, but how I has was. you were? So how, how was that evolution from triple to there? Cause I know, because I mean that that was God forever. You got they ran and they and they had some success for a while with it. What was that transition like from triple to air raid? The hardest part was uh, the quarterback. He had never dropped back and thrown anything. I mean, like we had his name was Will Vance, greatest kid in the entire world. Like awesome. He he'll tell you like he was not a drop back passer. We tried to force that square peg through the round hole and. <laughs> It got ugly. And, you know, we, we window dressed it. The screens bailed us out of a lot of games and, and the triple option mentality of the offensive line and running back, uh, even though we were running inside zone and power, uh, really bailed us out because, you know, if you really want want to run gap schemes, like go to a team that's running triple option and teach them to run gap schemes because they will just blow apart the entire middle of the defense because they're used to coming off the ball that hard. And they don't care what you're doing as a front. They're just going to destroy you. Um, so that was, you know, we, we, we did well with those things, but the drop back pass game was rough and the receivers part of it was, you know, rough to say, to be, to be kind, you know, like guys hadn't caught a ball in traffic or guys hadn't read the middle they didn't even know what coverages were like. They're just looking out there. Like we're talking one safety, two safety, middle field, open middle field closed. They had no idea what we were talking about. And that was, it was a very long learning process to where we had to start attacking it at the lower levels and start to get it to filter up. We had to make throwing the ball fun and we had to make it part of their, you know, when they're at recess, are they going to run pass routes? Like we want them to say, Hey, I'm going to go, I'm running to shallow and I'm running to dig. Like we want them to be able to say that in fifth grade. So that's kind of how we attacked it. We went low and said, we're going to start building this thing from the ground up and, and let it filter through our program. Um, and we got some nice things in place right now uh, that are doing that for us, um, which is probably why you're seeing quarterbacks and receivers and everything getting better and better and better at Centerville. But um it was, it was brutal at the, at the beginning. And then I would say about my first year, 2017 is when we first had our, our first group of uh, receivers that knew, you know, how to play wide receiver and quarterbacks that knew how to read it. Oh, linemen that understood this is an RPO, you know, hang on the double team a little bit longer, stuff like that. So yeah, it took a while. It was rough. It was very rough. <laughs> now you mentioned youth program there's, I mean, one, how much control over your youth program do you have? And two, how do you typically work with them? Because I, I mean, so every school is different. Like, I, I'm very hands-on with our youth program. I try to work with them as much as possible because I obviously it's a very important integral part. But I know other coaches that don't have any conversation with it or other programs that is just a bad mix. They just don't get along. So how do you approach your youth program? Um, kind of a hybrid. Uh, you know, I'll talk to them. Um, I'll, I'll make a lot of appearances and everything. 
Um, I definitely address the entire uh, youth organization, coaching staff, all the levels and all that stuff. Um, I don't, I'm not, I don't necessarily think that they need to be running air raid in second grade. You know, they, they can barely wrap their hand around the ball. Um, do whatever you want, run whatever offense you want. It's okay. Like my rules to them are, uh, I have two of them. It's give them the fundamentals. They got to learn how to block and, and tackle and specifically tackle. They've got to be safe or else mom ain't letting them come back out. Uh, so block and tackle and, and, you know, teach them the fundamentals. And the second rule is, they have to have fun and they got to come back. So I challenge every coach to follow their team year to year and see like, what do the numbers look like when you go from fifth grade to sixth grade, does it go from 41 to 45 or does it go from 41 to 36, yeah. you know? Um, and that's the big challenge. And I tell them like, I can't, we, we can't coach these kids if they don't come out. So we have to do whatever we can to get them out and keep them out. And then you do that by teaching them new things, letting them have some fun and let them experience some success. And, uh, and, and as long as they got good relationships with their team and a good relationship with their coaches and stuff, they'll keep coming back. Um, but you know, it, it's worked out for us right now. Um, you know, I'm not dumb enough to think that I got all the answers and I figured it out, but it's working out for us right now. Um, and those, that, that's, that's about where it stops. I, I don't really care if they run man zone, gap scheme inside zone outside zone stuff like that i mean peewees are wacky too like you look out there and you're like man that's a 10-man box <laughs> you know but the quarterback can't throw it seven yards so you know they they don't have an answer for it oh yeah um, so you know they just hand it off to the fastest guy and let him run around outside and you know as long as the kid kids touch other kids touching the ball and they're having fun they'll come back yeah they'll come back exactly that, that's mm -hmm. perfect now the last question i have for you is I mean, you, we've kind of danced around a little bit. Mesh, um, it's your defensive coordinator's least favorite play. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, I think it's it, – I mean, you've kind of mentioned it's kind of your staple of your offense. Um, mm -hmm. And obviously, Mike Leach runs 9,000 versions of it. Um, yeah. So, why? I mean, you mentioned everybody runs it a little differently. But why, why is it such an important play for you guys? And then kind of – is there any tips or tricks that you would suggest to anybody that – might be looking to install it. Yeah. So, well, first of all, it's not a staple of our offense. It's a staple of what you have to defend in our offense. Well, we only run it enough. Um, I, I'll admittingly say, like, we're not the best mesh team in the world. We're a phenomenal Utah team. Like, we can run Utah, and I hope I'm using Utah as a universal language as the pivots versus the mesh crossers. Um, but we're, we're phenomenal at this Utah play. So that's where we're going to spend our money in, in, in games, but we will call the mesh and we'll run the thing. Um, you know, it didn't become as good for us and as much of a problem for my DC and other DCs as well um, until we saw Ohio state run it. So like if I was someone looking to run mesh and looking to make some adjustments, um, like I would watch Ohio state and Paris Campbell run mesh. Like it was ridiculous. What we saw when we started breaking down their film, um, there used to be like this underground library where you had every game and all this stuff. And I had access to it. Um, it's since dead now, but um, I would watch Ohio state and Paris Campbell and, and these guys run mesh in all these different variations. And they, you could tell they're just calling mesh and they're just tagging something. They're calling X mesh or Z mesh or Y mesh or whatever. Um, and when we put in that middle crosser, 
um, the, you know, that window route, whatever you see, uh, Paris Campbell running and, and always wide open as soon as guys are doing this in front of the quarterback. Um, that's when it became a huge issue because, you know, linebackers are getting an undercall. They're getting a double undercall and they're supposed to robot out to the dig window. And here this guy is sitting in the middle dig window. Um, it, it takes special coaching to defend that play. Um, I will say this, if, if I was somebody starting off with the mesh play, I would take the two by two part of the playbook and I'd throw it away. Um, I don't believe in two by two mesh anymore at all. Uh, not to say we haven't run it or we won't run it against certain looks, but you know, two by two mesh is I think a waste of time. I think three by one set your formation to the field and either motion to empty or go start and empty and, uh, you know, go from there because it's, it, the two by two stuff is just too cluttery. It's it's not a good look for the quarterbacks. At least the quarterbacks, the way that I'm coaching them, um, I haven't been very good at coaching two by two mesh. So I'd start with the three by one or the empty, and I'd watch Ohio State if I was somebody. But that's that's what gives people a lot of fits is when you get this, and then you got this guy just sitting right behind them. It's like, oh my gosh, what do we do? You know, and th their answer is to press them, and can't get off press. You're not going to be opening any route anyway, so it doesn't matter. So, you know, that's the best way is as a defense you just be really good you don't have to worry about it oh yeah i mean that's i mean i agree 100 coach i mean we got our second seven on seven i know the team is just gonna press the crap out of us i already know that because i know who it is and it is what it is so it's you just gotta get really good at getting off match high school kids don't like contact they no. don't they don't they just don't so coach i appreciate you coming on uh coaches uh his twitter will be in the bio if you want to give him a follow um Check out our sponsors, affiliates, all that lovely jazz below. Like, share, subscribe, all that jazz. Check out Coach Pad. Um, and then that was another episode of the Gap Down Backer podcast.